Amen. God is good. And all the time. Thank you. Many expressions of thank you to the Emmanuel community and your expressions of sympathy and condolences on the loss of my father. I'm grateful to be part of a wonderful community. For your cards, your calls, your food, your text, your expressions. Each one matters. I've experienced that. Maybe you've experienced that, but every single one matters. Every card is read, and I have been grateful for the ways that you have reached out and your prayers uh, and your expressions. So thank you and to a wonderful staff uh, that has supported along the way. It's been a crazy month. Been a lot happening. I'm ready to scale back the stress and the eating, to normalize the schedule, to refocus on what really matters and time and commitment to God, to my family here, and to that which I'm called to do. Isn't that what the season of Lent is about for all of us? It's a time to scale back our consumption, a time to simplify our life. And to make that recommitment to that which is important, our time, our effort, our energy, to refocus on God and our relationship with him. Our hope, my hope, is that this worship series will help us to look for love in all of the right places. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for the wonderful community called Emmanuel. Thank you that as we live life together, Lord, we share the joys and celebrations and the sad and heartaches and tragedies together. Thank you for a place in which we can give each other a hug, send a word of encouragement, or offer an expression of love and sympathy. Thank you, Lord, for this Lenten season in which we come and in which we gather, a time, Lord, in which we recognize that in our own sinfulness and selfishness, sometimes we are looking in the wrong places, but all you call us to do is look to you. So help us to look to you this morning. Help us to, to create a discipline in our life in which we recognize the love that's all around us. So, Lord, this morning as we hear your word and the importance of your word in resisting the temptations, that we recognize the bounty that you offer. In your name we pray. Amen. What is it that holds your time and attention? What is it for you that consumes you every day? What steals vitality from you being able to live and to love fully 
that which is most important to you. And what does Jesus tell us as a priority in our relationship with him and his word? The scripture story this week in our series, Looking for Love in All of the Wrong Places, focuses on Jesus' temptations in the desert after his baptism by John the Baptist. It reminds us. It reminds us that Jesus was able to resist. And so are we. So let us hear this story, perhaps a familiar story, this first Sunday of Lent, that comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Join me in the Bibles you've brought, your devices, or the Bibles that are in the pews in front of you. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command His angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him again, It is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to them, All these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said, Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. In today's scripture, we see the futility of looking for love in all the wrong places. In things that only provide temporary satisfaction in seeking empty highs tempting fate in mindless adoration rather as jesus demonstrates it is our resistance to evil that we find true communion with god and what do we call that true communion but love now, sometimes we confuse temptation and sin. Temptation is not sin, but we flirt so closely with temptation that it becomes hard to distinguish one from the other. And you know what about Jesus? Jesus on earth 
knew the full force of temptation that you and I face today. But he never gave in to it. And neither do we have to give in to it either. So let's see today what we can learn from Jesus. After his baptism by John the Baptist, Jesus went into the wilderness. Now you think of a wilderness, you think of trees, and some versions say a desert. You think of desert and it's sandy places. It was neither a place full of trees or just a dry land of sand, but a very rocky terrain with high hills and deep ravines. It's this time in the wilderness that Jesus went to prepare for his mission ahead. Jesus enters the wilderness alone. In the wilderness, wherever that might be for us, <clears throat> we are often finding ourselves alone. And just like Jesus, we find ourselves vulnerable. But sometimes, that's where the best work can be done. As long as we remember and practice the pillars of faith. Do you remember what those pillars of faith are? Charity. Prayer and fasting. Jesus fasted for 40 days. Then his temptations began. Again, the beauty of this story is that Jesus was subject to the same weaknesses, the same desires, the same temptations that you and I face. Today's connotation of temptation is negative. We think of it as a struggle with morality. The word for temptation used here does not imply weakness or seduction, but it means to test. I like what William Barclay says about this, and I paraphrase it. Temptation is not meant to make us sin. It's meant to enable us to conquer sin. It's not meant to make us bad. It's meant to make us good. It's not meant to weaken us, but make us stronger, finer, and pure. In resisting our temptations, we can experience love. True love. So what was Jesus' first temptation, or first test, as we've learned? It was food. It strikes him right where he's at. It's probably his greatest need. Remember, he fasted for 40 days. It's probably one of the most dominant thoughts that he has in his mind to change stones into bread. He's being tempted to use his powers for his own use. You'll be tempted. Maybe you've been there and experienced it more than once. We'll always be tempted to use selfishly whatever powers that God has given us. And you know what usually happens? We're usually tempted in those gifts in which we are given the strongest or that we're the best at. We all have them. We can react in one of two ways to what those gifts are. Do I use them for my own benefit? Or do I use them to help care for others? Bread represents material or physical things. How often does the world emphasize happiness through things? How often do we try to pursue that happiness through our belongings? 
Jesus refutes that all we need to live are material things. And how does he respond? What does he use? But the word of God himself. From Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, he says, Humans cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Here's the reality. Could Jesus have turned those stones into bread? Could he really have done that? Absolutely. I think it's fully in his capability. So why did he resist? He wanted to emphasize to us that life is not about getting and having, but about giving. If he had turned the stones into bread and eaten and satisfied his hunger, what's going to happen a couple of hours later? But he's going to be hungry again. Resolving hunger was not the issue. The real way to cure hunger is to remove or eliminate that which causes the hunger. Here's the point. If Jesus had turned the stones into bread, we would not have been able anymore to relate to him. If Jesus had turned the stones into bread, we'd have not anymore been able to relate to him. True satisfaction comes from complete dependence upon God. Things, money, belongings cannot satisfy us. So how do we resist the temptation? Resistance starts with our own confession of complicit acts that move us further from love. The first temptation was turning stones into bread. What was Jesus' second temptation? It was an action that he was asked to make. To jump. To jump from where? The top, the pinnacle of the temple. And God's angels would save him. Well, can Jesus do anything he wants? Sure. Could he have made the jump? Absolutely. Man, think about it. How many people have been impressed by that? How many people might have believed in him by that? But then what would his next trick be? How high would his next jump be? And after he did that jump, how high would the jump after that? You get the point. There's no longevity here. Jesus would have to constantly produce greater and greater sensations. The focus would be all wrong. So Jesus once again uses God's word to refute Satan's word. Deuteronomy 6 verse 16. Do not put the Lord your God to the test. It does us no good to see how far we can go with God. How much we can get away with. I've used this example before in youth ministry. I was asked often by couples who were dating that how far is too far? And my response was, if you're asking that question, you're probably going too far. It's the wrong question. Sometimes we expect God to rescue us. But God's not to, me, to be manipulated. He wants us to take risk, absolutely, but for Him, not for ourselves. Satan likes to play on words. That religious belief is demonstrated by action. 
Satan says we are to test God by our actions. But what is Jesus saying? We are to trust God by our actions. Satan said God is there to serve us. But Jesus said we are here to serve God. Satan said to Jesus, if you believe in who you are, you'll jump. And what does Jesus say? Because I know who I am and because I know the one who sent me, that's the very reason I will not jump. What was Jesus' third temptation? What did Satan pledge to Jesus? All the wonders of the world. If Jesus would only do what? Bow down and worship him. Jesus again refers to God's word. Deuteronomy 10.20 Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. You heard the saying, if it's too good to be true, it is. Maybe that applies here too. Maybe this is one that we really can relate to or we actually face every day. Basically, Satan says, why not become a, middle, a, a little more like the world? And you won't have to work so hard. You won't have to try so hard. You won't have to be so careful. You won't have to put up with so much ridicule or rejection. But Jesus resisted the temptation. And so should we. Our groaning can turn to glad cries of deliverance as we choose good over evil time after time, even when we don't benefit from it. Have you ever in your career had an opportunity to get a new job or get a promotion if you would just compromise just a tiny little bit? Have you ever applied for a job or applied for an award? And if you just made yourself look a little bit better, that's pushing the truth, you put yourself in a good place to get it. It won't harm anyone. Or what about our taxes? I know preacher's meddling now, so I'll move on. Or if we fudged on a commitments we begin to make to someone else, or even the church. One can never defeat evil by compromising with it. One cannot use worldly ends to achieve spiritual ends. To achieve goodness by evil is to compromise the very goodness that we seek to achieve in the first place. We don't see it quite anymore, as much anymore, but it's one reason I don't like this Christian graffiti or that's written on bridges or signs or stuff that Jesus saves or, or the Lord will save you. It's a good message, absolutely, and it's true. But I think the means by which it is presented and how it's done compromises the message. As Christians, we're called to be in the world, but not of the world. We must resist the temptations 
and set the standard rather than compromise to the standard in which the world is seeking to set for us. Jesus went to the wilderness to figure out how he was going to bring people home to God. Jesus was tested three times. He resisted the temptation to bribe human beings into following him. This way of sensations was not his way. And he would not compromise the message he preached or the faith and obedience that he demanded from his followers. And where did all this lead Jesus? It led him to a cross. How ironic that ultimate victory came not in the number of people who followed him, but came through the death on a cross. The lowest of deaths. If we decide to follow Jesus, if you and I decide to make God a priority in our life, temptations will be inevitable. The question is not if they'll happen, but when they'll happen. And then the real question becomes, how will I resist them when they do happen? Because you know what our greatest temptation is? It's to fill the space in us that is meant to be filled by love with something that is not loving. Jesus survived his temptations. We can survive our temptations too. Jesus showed us how. Where might you find yourself this week looking for love? Where in your life do you learn to fill that space, that void? And what are you going to fill it with this week? The name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Amen.